0: You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall. Less work, more clean. Terms apply. Are you a diehard comic book collector? Or maybe a lapsed fan? Maybe even someone who has never picked up a comic book in their life. Hi, I'm Remso Martinez. And I'm Mark Claire.
1: Every single Wednesday at the Second Print Comics Podcast, Remzo and I take a deep dive into the storylines, character arcs, moments, and events that made us the fans we are today.
0: Tune in every Wednesday for new episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever else podcasts are available. Check out more from the Second Print Comics podcast at secondprintcomics.com. Prepare yourself. You're on the run with Remzo W. Martinez. All right, Jess. I I thought of like 20 other ways to start the show, but you can't go any further without addressing the fact that you were hit by a car this week.
1: Oh, I was.
0: You do not look like a person. I was on my bicycle. And I know I'm repeating all the conversation we had like two minutes ago, but like you do not look like a person who's been hit by a car. You look like someone who's like chilling out on a Saturday, having a good time, just went to the office this week and you were not hit by a car but you were hit by a car.
1: Well, my hips don't lie. If you were to take a look at, at my hips, you would see some evidence of some, some forceful impact.
0: Gosh, what, how, did, how did it go down?
1: So I was on my bicycle and I was coming back from the chiropractor, which I was at because I got hit by a bus in 2018. So I go to physical therapy for some back pain related to that accident. So I'm on my bicycle on the way back. I'm on a bicycle because the bus destroyed my vehicle right before I was moving to the DC area. So I was just like, well, I guess this is a sign that I should probably move to DC without a car because it's now totaled and now I don't own a car. And so, all right, I ride my bike around. I haven't replaced my vehicle. And I'm riding my bike on the way back and I stop at this intersection where there are stop vehicles. They have a red light. I make eye contact with the driver. Like I usually do when I'm about to proceed into an intersection. He sees me. I see him. I start going into the intersection. He, after I started going, also starts going, looks at me like he doesn't know what he's doing with life in general and proceeds (laughs) to hit me while I'm on my bicycle. And then I'm on the ground and I look up at him and I looked him in the eyes and I said, really? Really? And his license plate that was on the front of his vehicle was by my feet because it fell off. (laughs) And I picked up the license plate and I handed it to him. He was still in his car, but had at this point, like cracked open his door. And I said, try not to kill anyone.
0: Oh my God. And you've chosen not to sue that person.
1: And I walked away.
0: Are you like secretly Jesus? And we just didn't know this till now.
1: I just, I want to know what is happening in that man's life where somehow it was up to me to tell him to get his life straight because <laughs> I am not the right messenger.
0: <laughs> you you handled it so much better than I think 99% of people would ever handle that situation. And that, that's the thing. Like in the age where you can sue anybody for anything – Like, could you imagine what was going through his head? Like five minutes Mm. later, after he hit you, you gave him back his license plate, did not take any of his information or threaten him, and you just—did you walk off? Like, what what happened to you after that? Did you just? I picked up up my bicycle.
1: Yeah, I picked up my bicycle and I walked it away, and just kind of like I kind of like was like feeling like shaking, kind of like my body out to be like is anything out of place here? Like, am I okay? And this man who was walking, he's like, are you okay? And I was like, I'm shaking. And I'm kind of like on my way home on my bicycle. And I'm like, am I okay? Like, is there blood on my body? Is <laughs> like, I right if I even...
0: ask what the condition of the bike is?
1: Oh, it's fine. So it's my body that took the impact because like it was a, it was very much a oh, yeah, like,
0: that's so much better. <laughs>
1: Yeah. It was like, uh, well, I have an e-bike, so it's expensive <laughs> They They cost a lot of money, <laughs> but like my body, like kind of, you know, it was like a pushover kind of accident thing. Like it was like, it wasn't like a, uh, throw me six feet away. It was like a, he, because he was stopped and then started going. So it was just like, he bumped me like, you know, <laughs> and so it was like my hip that took the impact of the of the accident
0: my gosh did I ever I, I think I've told you about the car accident I was in in 2016 right I think so yeah this is like it we're, we're while we're talking about this we might as well talk about like polar opposites because you handled it in like the most Mother Teresa way I can imagine it I was in a car accident, as I've kind of alluded to on the show in the past, but I've never actually told people what happened. I was in the passenger seat of my mom's Toyota. Uh, I was back in college. I was home for, like, Christmas break and everything, and I was at a stoplight, like, a mile away from my house. And this car going 60 miles an hour didn't stop. It just went right into the back of the truck. And, like, some type of Christopher Nolan film, right before that happened i dropped my phone so i'm bending over um to pick up my my iphone from the floor and then we get hit and then i just start swinging back and forth and i mean the the um the seatbelt like you know really snapped my neck and everything like it was it was wild and like if i had if i had not bent down to pick up my phone it wouldn't have been as bad but because i jerked back it doesn't matter how quickly the uh the seatbelt went ahead and helped me out. It it was still me like flying back in my seat, and um you know at that point my mom is freaking out, puts the car in in a in park, and I th- this is this is why I have such bad faith in humanity. I get out of the car, and I immediately look at the small little rental um like it was a it was a Honda Civic I think that went into the back of our truck. Now our truck actually did pretty well in that situation but the honda it was it was like a soda can that you just kind of like smushed together so the people get out and i guess they had just gone to paneras because they get out and they have their large like like iced coffees with them and they get out it's this older couple like in their 60s 70s and they just get out and they just start drinking from their you know from their coffee and i'm just thinking like they're just they're just looking at me as if they didn't just hit the back of my truck so I look at them and I'm like, "What the fuck is wrong with you?" And they're like, "Oh, we didn't see the red light." I'm like, "You didn't see the big truck that wasn't moving." And this is where this is my first interaction with the Karen. The the one woman puts down her iced coffee back into the car, and she's like, "You really shouldn't be yelling at us." <laughs> and then I'm like, "What the fuck do you mean I shouldn't be yelling at you? Oh no. You just hit me." <laughs> So my, my mom is in the front seat, total panic attack. I'm yelling at these people. They, they're just like, um, you know, uh, what should we do? And I'm like, you shouldn't do anything. You should stay there because I'm calling the cops. And the one woman is like, you should really stop yelling at us. So I'm like, shut the fuck up. So I call the police. The police come over. And who the, who do the police immediately go towards and start yelling at? The cops start yelling at me because the one cop pulls over. The woman starts screaming, he's yelling at us, he's yelling at us. So I look at the cop and I'm like, her and her husband just hit my truck. We were at a red light and they just hit us. And the cop is like, sir, you need to sit down or I will handcuff you. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. So long story short, that's how that day went. And since then I've been dealing with like chronic pain and stuff like that. But like there are people in this world who like, will do the most outlandish shit and still not even try and take an ounce of responsibility for it. Now, those people, to their credit, I'm not mad at them. They took full blame for what happened. They paid for everything. Insurance covered the rest. We've gone about our lives. I don't even remember their names. But if somebody hit me (laughs) while I was riding my bike... I do not know if I would have the bare decency to even, like, not yell at them at that point. I don't know if that says less about me than it does the world, but the way you handled it, it's like, it's like the universe put you there in a weird position to remind that guy that if he doesn't get his shit together, the next time he hits somebody with his fucking car, that person's not going to survive.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think it was also a good reminder that I need to buy a car and stop car my in bike.
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, I, I bet you got like calves of steel right now, but winter is coming.
1: Winter's coming. And I do not like riding to the grocery store on a bicycle in the snow. It is terrible and I don't want to do it anymore. So I think he got a lesson. I got a lesson. And at the end of the day, sometimes you just need some kind of forceful impact to remind you Jesus to Christ. go after whatever it is you're supposed to be doing.
0: <laughs> this is the Disney movie. You didn't know you were getting today. Well, you know, th- this is uh, sometimes
1: you just get hit by a car
0: Sometimes you don't. Um, what, what, I lo- what I love about you as a person is that you, you are in an industry where you're not always the most optimistic. You're in politics, you've been doing grassroots training and activism and all that stuff for many, many years now. And the fact that you can stay at it with a relatively good sense of humor is something that I really wish me and many other people could have. And the one thing where I think, uh, you've definitely been making me laugh and also making me think on Twitter recently has been your attempts to try and get libertarians to think outside of taxation as theft memes and literally look to the stars. And I'm talking literally. You're, you're, you're past the, the clubhouse phase, and now you're in to looking at, like, we don't need to worry about the laws of this country. Let's worry about the laws on Mars. What has shifted your focus from the stuff of the past to now making libertarians think interstellarly?
1: So, you know, I told you about how I got into space to begin with. No. No. So Has it was it always been my, like a thing. No, it really hasn't. I never cared. I didn't care about star Trek. I didn't care about anything. I wasn't, Did you I, ever I like grew star Wars? up. No, I didn't care anything space related. It didn't matter to me. I I grew up right next to Wapakoneta, Ohio, which is where Neil Armstrong is from. So I've been to the Neil Armstrong museum many times. I didn't care. The most important thing there to me was the ice cream, the freeze dried ice cream. That's what I liked.
0: You know, <laughs> so, you know, astronauts don't actually eat those in space. I learned that the hard way.
1: Oh, really? You went to space and you didn't have any ice cream there for you? I
0: freaking wish. So I got, you know, I, I, I went to uh, an air museum in Arizona when I was a kid and they have in the gift shop, the astronaut ice cream. So I got like the Neapolitan stuff, which just tasted like cardboard so like five, six years later, I went to Cape Canaveral with my family, and they had a couple of the Apollo astronauts who went there to do a seminar. So my question was, what was your favorite flavor of astronaut ice cream? And I don't remember who the astronaut was, but he laughed and said, we don't actually eat that. Oh. And that's why I thought that most of space was a lie.
1: I understand how that has emotionally scarred you.
0: I have trust issues because of that now.
1: Well, try not to mislead you as I tell you more about my space journey and um, I'll try to help you see what I see in space. Um, So last year when Chrissy and I had our podcast, thank you for um, guest hosting it and i um i saw these headlines on twitter about ufo's and the pentagon and that the pentagon was confirming that ufo's exist and i thought this cannot be real this this i'm reading it and i'm like wow is the government literally telling us that aliens ufo's like this is this is real and i'm like oh, now that i have a podcast i we have to cover this so i go on facebook and i type like do i know any ufo experts as a libertarian the answer is i have an expert in my in my sphere of influence so i have a great expert an expert who's testified before congressional committees and so he he's a little nervous to agree to this podcast because Chrissy and I had a very silly podcast and um, he's a professional person. So he comes on our podcast and we talk about aliens, UFOs. We wore tinfoil hats for a couple minutes. And I asked a question that just kind of popped into my head and I said, um, why haven't, if, if the aliens have advanced technology, why haven't they helped us with coronavirus? And, you know, I'm just thinking like, this is kind of like April, 2020, May, 2020. I'm like, this is kind of a big deal. Like if, why aren't they here? Why aren't they helping us if the aliens are so cool and all? And he said pretty profoundly that the reason is because we as humans do not adhere to the non-aggression principle. We are bombing each other. We are, you know using these mobile devices to run into each other and nearly, you know, injure us. (laughs) It's like the, we still hit each other with cars. Yeah. Like we're, we're not the best. Um, When it comes to what like utopian society could be like, we're pretty far from it. So he opined that like we, because we are non-peaceful, they have absolutely zero desire to come and visit us. And it made me think like, whoa, 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 whoa. I was like, I'm trying to get peace on earth because I think that's the right thing to do. But now it's because we can have aliens here if we have world peace. I'm just like, oh my God, this is so... Like groundbreaking. I was just like,
0: that's the real Red Pill we, moment.
1: Yeah. The aliens are not here because we're, we're terrible. Um, so that, that kind of like started it. And then I really got into it when I was able to access the space community on Clubhouse and start learning. And people in the space community on Clubhouse, the social media app, they, welcomed me into the conversations um, there. They say that space did is you for lead, everyone. Did you
0: lead with aliens or were you just like, Oh, aliens. I'm pretty,
1: people? I'm pretty upfront about how I feel about my future alien bestie that I'm trying to manifest through world peace and closing the dignity gap and um, helping people uh, be empowered to live their best lives here on earth. I dig it. Yeah. So it really started me down this kind of journey where, and then it's like, hold on, this space stuff I'm learning, I, w- I was learning so much good stuff. Like I was hearing from NASA's chief scientist some crazy stats. Like he predicts that within 20 years, we are going to see the middle class of today is going to be able to afford space tourism. And he predicts that within 10 years, we are going to make first contact with an alternate life form from somewhere else other than Earth. So I'm hearing these things from NASA's chief scientist on Clubhouse on these unrecorded conversations. And I'm just like, "This this is incredible knowledge. And I've been, like, out there proclaiming to people, like, hey, this space stuff is happening. Like, space tourism is happening. And people were a little hesitant to believe me. Like, people were kind of like... I don't know about that. But now after this past summer with Richard Bronson going to space, Jeff Bezos going to space, William Shatner is going to space. There is people are kind of like, Oh, I see what you mean. Like, I, I feel like I got into the space realm at the exact right time where I could start talking about it. And now people are like, Oh, you know what you're talking about? Cause it's, it's happening. Like it's already started.
0: What, what freaks me the hell out was in, um, was in April, of 2020, I remember it like it was yesterday. I was watching the Joe Rogan experience and he had on a a Navy captain, former fighter pilot named um, Captain David Traver. And Captain David Traver was the guy who in a 2017 um, video that was captured on his camera when he was when he was flying off the coast of California, it was later acquired and uh, leaked by the New York Times, basically it showed that uh, Schraver and several other pilots flying together basically saw a UFO. And they were able to identify that it was actually a, a mechanical vehicle because of the heat signature, the way it was moving, but they knew it was something that was not man-made because it was able to go into the ocean, it was able to come out, it was moving laterally in ways that our aircrafts right now do not move. And it, it went, it, it like broke the sound barrier at one point. And you hear you hear the captain just freaking out. And there's a dude with like one of the highest levels of security clearances. Him and his pilots have to go through psychological evaluation constantly. Like these guys are like the top echelon of Fighter pilots in the world, and Schraver got out of the Navy, and after all that happened, he was basically able to talk about it. And what he basically said was, "Listen, I'm not saying it's aliens, but that thing was not—it was not created by man." And then the Department of the Navy came out a few months after that, still during coronavirus and everything else, and they still said, "Yeah, um, that thing was basically not from Earth." At that point, like all my, like that really changed my life perspective. I'm like, I'm bitching and complaining and worrying about so many other things, but we just found out that extraterrestrial life could take down our most sophisticated technology like something out of Independence Day. I got to get my shit together because we are so not prepared for this. And it could be awesome. Or it could be like freaking Independence Day. And I see you really trying to hold in a laugh, but I'm dead freaking serious. I don't know why more people don't talk about this shit.
1: So I can tell you that Jim Green, NASA's chief scientist, did say that he predicts within ten years we'll make first contact, and nobody has a plan for it. No government, no agency, no entity. What's the plan if they ever make their presence known to us? There isn't one.
0: I, I almost like I, what, what terrifies me the most about that is, um, you know, the, um, the Smithsonian annex in Dulles, the the hazy one where they keep all the extra cool shit, like where Transformers 2 was filmed. Um, they had an exhibit of that giant gold vinyl disc that the UN came together and shot into space in like the 80s. And what it basically had was it had sounds of the earth and all the languages of the world saying hello and we're all about peace and stuff like that. Like that thing is floating in space somewhere, giving off a radioactive frequency to try and get something. And what terrifies me is that we're assuming that extraterrestrial life that has been playing touch and go with earth for so long and is doing so currently and is capable of that is not only you know probably already knows what we're like right now but one day they'll find that and that's almost the equivalent of like your dog learning to write with its mouth on a post it and like sticking it on a cabinet somewhere saying feed me like we are at the point where it's like we're we're not even in the same sphere of knowledge of the universe that if they came down and we learned just a few things about them, we're questioning our like every religion of the world we're questioning how we think about our our you know our place in the universe and everything else like that i I don't think people would would handle it well at all, and um you know, I think before the aliens, assuming that they come here and they don't like us. Before they could do anything to us, we would just go out and, you know, like, fuck up each other. That, that's what really horrifies me. They wouldn't have to do anything. All they had, like, if they really wanted to screw with us, they'd, they'd take away all the, like, all the electricity. Like, they'd just kill the internet, and we would be losing our shit like it's 1999. Like, that, that's one of those things that does, like, people think I joke about this shit, but no, this actually does keep me up at night. This freaks me the fuck out. Because this can happen any day, and there's nothing we could do about it.
1: Look how we've responded to coronavirus. A virus that, for most healthy people, they can get through it. Um, But otherwise, the the way that we have responded to this as a society has brought out the absolute worst in, in us. And it's made society look incredibly different depending on where you live, um, the way people treat each other. When I go for walks on, um, just just outside walking my dogs, I've been like yelled at for not wearing a mask while I'm just out you still walking. still get that? Yeah, yeah. Um, it hasn't happened I in a little while. I don't
0: miss Northern Virginia. I really don't.
1: Yeah, it's been a little bit, but um, it happens. It does. Um, so this this virus that has happened um, the way we've responded it, it, it's made society look like um, just the worst the worst that I've seen it in in my lifetime here in the United States and the way that we could respond to an alien invasion that's so much different than a virus that for the most part most people can get away without too many Bad effects from
0: it what what gives me hope is the fact that you know as much as i might have problems with you know jeff bezos for example like i don't i don't hate him like some people seem to hate him they're just things i don't like about him but you know i don't don't have any strong negative feelings towards the guy you know, like when I look at him and Musk and these others that are trying to go to space, it's almost like one of those situations where it's like people right now, they're having like these like big philosophical conversations about, you know, like the, the United States breaking up or stuff like that. And my whole thought is like we're, we're arguing over land on one planet while the people who own all the assets and all the influence and all the power are talking about, like, going and acquiring spots on new planets. And, and it's one of those things where it's like, you know, for, for the most part, I always felt like with politics, I was being dragged a few weeks ago. Like, people are complaining about things that we've been complaining about for forever. And I always felt like I'm being dragged back. The, the fact that people are going to jump on the next issue of the day is one thing, but ultimately it's like dragging back. And now, since I'm mostly out of it, it's like people just kind of want to get by things day to day, but nobody's actually really thinking about, like, the future. It's like people don't want to think about it because it terrifies them. And the one thing I have to say is what I admire about, like, Bezos and Musk, and I'll even throw Dorsey in the mix. I think what Dorsey's doing to give people access to banking, to basic banking services is revolutionary. But, like, you know... It's one of those things where it's like, we should be really lucky that if the aliens do really hate us, that they haven't done anything prior because we're just, oh, yeah. we're, we're like at their mercy at this point. Assuming, we're the assuming inferior that's
1: ones. Yeah. Definitely. We, we are definitely inferior to the aliens.
0: Words we never thought we'd say out loud.
1: And it would make us sound crazy, but now in this day when the government is even confirming UFOs exist, they're now called UAPs, Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon.
0: You think that was a marketing thing? You think it's because they don't know? But it threw me off because
1: yeah, I like calling them UFOs.
0: UAP doesn't doesn't have that like you know gut reaction to it. Yeah. Um something you went ahead and shot out the other day was the fact that you're trying to get a date with Elon Musk is that because you genuinely feel attracted to him or is it because you understand that he's one of the few people that could potentially survive an alien invasion Either answer is a good think, answer at this point
1: I think my thing with Elon is just I I appreciate him as an entrepreneur um trying to solve these problems for humanity and I also identify with what he's trying to do, with trying to get humanity to space. Um, I understand it, especially as I have spent all this time studying space and studying aviation. It it makes complete sense. And in seven billion years, this planet is going to be engulfed by the sun. So, regardless, humanity is going to have to go off off earth at some point, at some point. Um, and then I think there's like always a really good justification for having backup plans or a plan B and it's Elon who's getting that plan B for us. Like he's the one who's the most furthest ahead in, in looking out after humanity. We are, looking at just a few years from when 100 people at a time are going to be able to go into space on Starship, um, we could go to Mars now on the Starship rocket. And um, there's, there's a likelihood that we'll be seeing humans on Mars in, not too, in the not-too-distant future. We are at the point where um, we just flew a helicopter on Mars this year. And that's a pretty significant achievement. The helicopter on Mars in 2021, when are we going to have the first human footprints on, on another planet? That's what? not that far off. So I admire that so much about Elon. And I, um, I thought about it and I was like, I think he would be a really interesting person to go on a date with. And I tried to get in contact with him on the internet so I can ask him to go on a date with me. And I I found out he was single, like there were Twitter headlines um, that he was broken up. So, I mean, I waited a few weeks
0: before. You would be such an upgrade from his last girlfriend. She's out there literally like dressed like Mothra reading the Communist Manifesto at bus stops now.
1: That's a weird move, (laughs) but I mean, she's 33 years old. I'm 33 years old. I have Milton Friedman sitting next to my coffee table. Um, Elon, take your take your pick, man. <laughs>
0: did Did you ever see that movie Interstellar? I have that that movie is, is probably like in my top five favorite movie list for for like many reasons. I also think that like two thousand Space Odyssey is is really good. That's Stanley Kubrick's film, and um, you know, like the thing that. I liked about interstellar was like at the beginning, they didn't get too much into like how the world ended up the way it was. But a few of the things in that film are kind of happening now. One of them is with, is with uh, what's going on of those ports where basically you've got all these giant cargo ships that aren't able to dock. So now you've got like empty shelves across America. And what's really telling is when the Washington Post puts out articles saying, you might not be able to get things for Christmas this year. Here's how you could really be thankful. And it's like this weird gaslighting, getting ready you know, trying to get people ready for things. And it's like, you know, 2020 really kind of prepped us, prepped us for that. And like the fact that it can happen any day now, we saw that with toilet paper, meat, all these things. And now it's like, oh yeah, you see, you had access before, but it was really hard. Now you can't get access because the, st- the stuff isn't getting off the ship. And it's like, you know, I'm not, I'm not a, a you know, a, a giant climate change person, but what we can definitely say is that when you have direct pollution in certain areas, there are parts of the world that are just uninhabitable. And, you know, I think the government has a lot to do with that, with how they allow certain businesses to do that. I think some businesses don't hold themselves accountable too much. But, like, that, that is happening for a good chunk of the world. Whether we agree on whether climate change is man-may or, or not, I think that everyone can say that direct pollution definitely does lay waste to a lot of places. So when you look at that, um, combined with everything else, it's like we're slowly setting the stage where whether people want to or not, they're going to have to really start addressing whether or not this planet will be habitable for future generations, whether by choice or whether by an act of desperation. And um, why, why do you think when like Bezos went up, why, why do you think there was so much hatred towards what he was doing? And, you know, I I know that there's probably some obvious answers of that, but like 10, 20 years ago, that would have been like everyone across the political spectrum would have been celebrating it as a big human achievement. Even when Bronson did it, uh, Branson did it, Richard Branson did it like, you know, half a decade ago. But like, I, I don't understand why people, despite seeing what it could mean for humanity, just instinctually wanted to just throw shit online about it.
1: Let's uh, talk about a couple of things that I love. Public relations and billionaires. (laughs) So... (laughs) Jeff Bezos, he chose to go to space and he took with him his brother. He also took with him this woman named Wally Funk, who was, I am part of, I think, the Mercury missions. She didn't get chosen to go to space um, because of mainly her sex, despite that and all of the tests that she had to do to be an astronaut, she and the other women performed better than the men. Um, but she never got to go to space. And that was her dream. And Jeff Bezos, a billionaire, took Wally Funk, 80 years old, to space. Really cool. But like that didn't really make it as well into the news as much oh, as Mercury like the was billi- like
0: the 60s. That makes so much sense now because we've sent women to space. But Mercury was like that's like the John Glenn era of stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. So there's, um, some great documentaries on Netflix about the women that didn't get to make it to space. And Wally's one of the people that was featured in that documentary. And, um, so she got to go to space and that, that didn't really like that story didn't hit home. Like it didn't get very far. I I
0: didn't know about it until you just brought it
1: up. Right. Yeah. And so then also when Elon, um, decided to make his kind of like 2021 splashy news story. What it was, was it was a different twist on the the billionaires in space. It wasn't Richard going up. It wasn't Jeff going up. Elon didn't go into space. A different billionaire did. Jared Jared Isaacman, he was involved in like payment processing, um, I think to get his, his career started and he he decided to take his ride to space that he financed and purchased his, himself and turn it into a fundraising mission for philanthropy which was a great pr move on his part because this didn't get the same like kind of edge lord or NPC type of behavior that Jeff Bezos received from people on the internet. Um, inspiration four was the launch. It, it was launched on September 15th. It was Jared Isaacman, the billionaire. So inspiration four had four like core tenants. Uh, one was uh, generosity. So that, that represented um, an individual that donated during the, um, during the football, the Super Bowl. Do you remember there was a commercial about, like, you can enter for your chance to go to space during the Super Bowl?
0: Yeah, it was – I remember what you're talking about. I didn't know it was for that. I thought it was for something, like, down the road, just to get people, like, sign up for something.
1: Yeah. Um, And so there was somebody that – donated to that and got selected to go to space um, and they just like donated. And so that was one of the things. Another one was a um, a partnership with St. Jude's and they wanted to select someone that was a um, related to St. Jude's. So the person that they selected is a woman named Haley Arsenault she is 29 years old. She is a St. Jude's kid. She had pediatric cancer. Um, She has a prosthetic and she's a cancer survivor. She now works for St. Jude's as a physician's assistant. And she went to space on September 15th and went until September 18th when she returned back to earth, um, being the youngest American ever to go to space. And this was an all civilian mission, which made it so different. Um, But also it was just it was a twist on the the billionaires in space it was a it was a philanthropic mission um it was four people they went to space for like three days and they went higher than the international space station um they went higher than i think any other um space mission other than the missions to the moon So this was like, this was huge. They went into orbit and they were all civilians. Not a single one of them is an astronaut. So that mission changed the game in a way that is going to make it like, nobody's really upset about William Shatner going to space. Like, I don't, I don't hear about that on Twitter. Like I Uh, I saw with Jeff um, Bezos.
0: George Takai got all mad. He called, he called Shatner a, a guinea pig for billionaires. And it's just like, you know, it It's really sad now because it's like things that we used to all like put our personal shit aside for and just be together on just aren't there anymore. Like we could talk about like holidays. We could talk about like certain things. But like, you know, like with the Super Bowl last year, you know, you had like Kamala Harris rooting for the Chiefs because, you know, she was like, oh, well, you know. Why, why is it Brady, who happens to be a, a white straight male, happens to win all the time? Maybe the Chiefs should win. It's like, you've never seen a football game. Like, you know, stuff like that. It's like, maybe you should just root for your team because whether you like him or not, just pick one, like most people do on Super Bowl night, and then be happy when they win or be sad when they lose and move on and, and little things like that. And, and it's like, you know, I might not like Jeff Bezos, but what he's doing for humanity is more so than what most people who are reporters, politicians, anyone else will ever be able to achieve and we're better off because of it. You know, my 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 father worked in in uh at, at he worked at the NGA, the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency, and his his whole thing was satellite tasking. He's one of the few um people in the army to actually have a pair of pilot wings because, you know, he piloted and tasked satellites. It's very rare. And I remember asking him, it's like, you know, how how do you think all the Russians and Americans in the International Space Station feel, you know, looking down at the world during 2020 when you've got, like, Russian collusion and coronavirus and all this shit? And he said, well, you know, I know somebody who knows somebody who asked the same question to one of those folks in the International Space Station, and what they told me was they just ignored it. They heard it, they thought it was weird, but they just ignored it. So it's like, you know, space, while the... the race for space started off as you know an arms race as a way for nations to fight each other it the, the intention always was was that space is for everyone and it is a peacemaking situation but you know another another question i asked my father one time was like you know we've got satellites all over looking at the world like what's you're, does Russia or China have a satellite looking at us here in the United States? And he looked at me, he's like, you remember that scene from Men in Black at the end of the first Men in Black film where uh, where Will Smith looks at, what's his name? Uh, K, Agent K, and he's like, what? Is there like another laser pointed at Earth with more aliens coming to kill us? And Agent K looks at Will Smith and he's like, there's always a giant laser pointing at Earth. Like, well, you know, we could talk and joke about like alien threats and stuff like we are that threat to ourselves. I think the point where we thought that governments and, you know, other government organizations and the military could provide that way of keeping the peace in space. It's like all they want to do is find more ways to screw with each other and kill each other. And if I'm going to bet on anyone to try and, you know, build world peace through that means, then it's going to have to be these billionaires, whether you like it or not, people like, I don't know if that's supposed to make me feel better or worse, but I mean, when you think about that type of stuff, how do you think that the the future looks on that?
1: I'm so optimistic. I, um, <laughs> the, the overview effect is like the psychological response that people have when they look at earth from up above, um, up above the, the, um, atmosphere and, William Shatner, when he came back, he, uh, he's been on news and he was, he's been talking to people on like the today show and everything. And so I think they made a really smart move in having William Shatner go to space. Like he was a really good person for it. He's like, just a few months ago, I asked on Twitter who should be the first influencer in space. Cause I'm like, I knew that like the first Instagram influencer in space, oh, that's going to kick it off. Like there's going to be such a huge market and demand. So if anyone has money to invest and is listening to the Remzo uh, um, Martinez <laughs> podcast, then you should probably be investing in the space industry because it is going to explode um, very, very soon. But he comes back onto these these shows and he's talking about how earth has this thin blue skin that he pierced through very quickly, moving very fast in a rocket ship. And he encourages people to protect the planet. And that's what he's saying on the news. And it's like, this is amazing. This is exactly what we need is we do need to protect this planet. We are doing a terrible job as humans in taking care of this, this land that is right at our fingertips. I like pick up trash when I'm going for walks and people say, thank you. Like, I just wish that like, there wasn't trash for me to pick up because it was already picked up by other people. But no, I walk by, I see something, I bend down and pick it up and throw it away. Why aren't, why aren't more people doing this? Like, I want to start a movement of people taking care of their communities. And that's something I'm going to be investing my time into is how can we how can we have these like local solutions to these problems that are within our reach? Like it is within our reach to pick up some litter around our community. Didn't you um, clean up
0: like all the national parks when the government shut down in 2018?
1: <laughs> yeah. So like before I ever in the before um, times. did that, the before times. Yeah. um before When the government shut down and we did that national park cleanup effort with the libertarian party it it was like it was like viral like this just somebody recommended to me that we clean up the national mall when it was on the news and there was oh there's not there's the the national mall has trash because the government is shut down it was on every news channel so we go and we went and clean up the national mall and first i was kind of like annoyed by the suggestion, you know, just like that usual hesitation when somebody suggests you do you more don't know work, if
0: you're walking into a joke, or if it's like an actual sincere challenge.
1: I knew it was sincere, but I didn't want to do more work, you know, because I was working a lot already. So <laughs> I was like, Oh, this sounds like work. But then the more I thought about it, like some time went by, I was like, I can't not let this go. I can't not do something about it. So We did it in D.C. and it went like so well. Dozens of people came. I was expecting it to just be me and somebody else and we'd be picking up trash, but it went viral. Other states um, all over the country, we organized a really easy, quick mechanism to get people to organize their own. And we had probably hundreds of people clean up national parks throughout the country when the government was shut down. And, but that, that changed me. Like I wasn't this kind of person before to just pick up trash on a walk, but now I feel guilty if I walk by trash and I don't do something about it. So that whole experience was like, it made me see my responsibility for the planet differently. And it started off with a mild nuisance.
0: You've got, you've got many titles, you know, you've got community organizer, grassroots trainer, liberty leader. I've got a title for you, Jess, because it's it's based off all the things you've done and not the things that other people just talk about doing, but you're a futurist. And I, what I have really gotten frustrated with is with libertarians trying to argue points from like 10, 20 years ago on things that for the most part, the percent nine percent of the country one either doesn't care about or doesn't know because i believe the wide majority of americans for example are just politically apathetic nobody ever wants to go back and fight yesterday's fights even if they say they do they really at their heart don't but everyone wants to do something for tomorrow and i was thinking about this in like one of the weirdest situations you know it would be good for your chronic pain have you ever done float tanks never you okay um, there's, there's a, I'm going to I'm going to text you a link after this. It's called, um, I don't know. I don't think it's called like float oasis or something, but it's a float tank place in old town. And what they do is they've got a couple different rooms of a couple different tanks, but the one that I went to in old town had like, it looked like a time machine. It looked like a little alien pod that you go into and that closes on you. And it's a sensory deprivation tank. So you're, you go into, a little tank that's filled with like a thousand pounds of Epsom salt. So you float almost immediately. It's like impossible sink down. It's like 97 degrees. So it's at like the, the same temperature as your body and no light or sound is able to escape the tank. So it's, it's the most hardcore silence you will ever encounter. And you can't see shit and it's peaceful and you just feel like you're floating in space. Like it's one of the craziest things. And I, I've got a place right up the road for me here now. And I'm, I'm bugging the shit out of those people because I like doing that shit because it, it helps me manage my anxiety, helps me deal with my pain, helps me calm down, helps me go sleep when I've hit an insomnia cycle or something. I love float tanks. But last week I was in one of those float tanks and, and I was thinking about all, all, all this type of stuff. And I think the only positive thing that could come out of humanity having to leave earth at some point is I hope that as a human race, that would make us be more appreciative because we don't ever appreciate anything until it's gone. And maybe the only way for us to be better people, more peaceful people together in the future is to have something so dear, such as really the perfect planet taken away from us. In some way, regardless of how it's done, the only way people who would otherwise hate each other would ever have to work with each other to survive and appreciate that would be if we're no longer here. And that really hit me in a way because I don't think this is talk for like something that will happen hundreds of years from now. I think that, you know, I think the I don't think the planet's going away anytime soon, but it's like I think I think that space travel out of necessity is going to have to be here sooner than later. And I think when it happens, most people won't be prepared for that.
1: The um float tanks. Wally funk in the documentary talks about how they were put through all these exams and everything. And float tanks were one of them. Float tanks and are women, so awesome. They were told, go in and stay as long as you can. The women were able to stay for like six hours, and men could last like half or fewer the amount of time than, than the woman could
0: people break in those. Like literally, like you have to sign a bunch of waivers. I've, I've met people who have had like full blown panic attacks because they can't, uh, they, they can't handle it because when you're in there, you know, it's not like, you you know, I, I call it like a hallucinogenic without hallucinogenics or anything like that. It's, it's one of those things where, when your sight, your smell, and your sensation of feeling are kind of taken away from you. You just feel like a floating brain. And a lot of people can't handle that shit. They, they really can't. I think you can tell a lot about a person by a person that can go to a float tank and, and be there for a little bit. Because when they start freaking out about certain things, like that tells you a lot of the stuff that they're kind of keeping inside. I think it forces a conversation in people. You should try that shit.
1: I definitely will. I was um, cleaning out my sp- spice rack um a couple of weeks ago while making some soup and I noticed that I had so many spices that are expired like 2014 expiration so it was like it's not like just Damn. like yeah It was like you need to throw these away basically was my <laughs> thought I was like it's time to get rid of this but my thought was as I was throwing away dozens of different spices mostly every spice I had was expired at this point I thought this isn't how we're going to live on space, like in space, we're not going to be able to just have spices. Like the, the future that we're going to have is going to be less plush than what we have here on earth, because it's, it's, we're at the time where it's like, we haven't figured out how to get us off of the planet just yet, but it's not unfeasible for this to happen in our lifetime. And oh I mean it's so going to be like we've you have know, got to reimagine.
0: It's it's going to be like explorers like in the 1400 like going for months out at sea where it's going to be some salted yeah. meat, fish and bread and it's all going to suck.
1: Yeah. There's no astronaut there, ice the cream. The spices won't be there. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But we have this incredible opportunity before us. In space, we have had zero intentional murders. We have a dead dog out there named Laika that the Russians sent up. Um, There have been um, some astronauts that haven't made it back safely to Earth. But nobody has taken the life of another human being. And here on planet Earth, we have 500,000 murders, homicides every single year half a million people die just at the hands of somebody else. So we have this opportunity to start over and have the libertarian utopia that we want here on earth, but have it, have it off of the surface of the planet. And that's what excites me the most about it is like, yeah, cool. Like we can go like live in space. That's that's fun. But it's us starting over. It's us taking all the lessons that we learned to this point. We've we've gotten a lot better as a species. Like less slavery than we've had in the past. Um, less poverty. Less world hunger. Less disease. I mean, we're doing we're doing better. Yeah, I don't um, think
0: anyone really wants to say it, but we'll say it. it. Almost all of it became, you know, real because of capitalists and free markets. Mm-hmm. Like whether people think that, you know, Jeff Bezos is a moral person or not. I, I really don't give a shit anymore. That man yeah. is going to impact the lives and has impact the lives of people. And they'll, they'll probably never realize it.
1: Yeah, definitely. And it's the space tourism industry. It's free market. Like it's totally free market. The government isn't involved. In fact, the FAA kind of like was was taken aback by, "Oh, you guys want to like blast off rockets?" Like, okay, we'll let you do that. But in 2022, the FAA is going to be clamping down a little bit. So, we might see um some throttling from the government on private space exploration. But it's going to be people like Elon taking us taking society to our global our our orbital megastructures. <laughs> yeah. Like we, we can be interplanetary and we should be like this. The solar system might not be our end all for humanity. We may be able to get outside of this solar system and see what else is out there.
0: Well, if anyone has gone deliver this message to a community that libertarians have almost absolutely no influence in, I'm I, I do truly mean this. I'm very confident that you could be the one to do that because you're a person of action and uh I, I wish you the best of luck in trying to thirst trap Elon at some point in Thank the week you. as things. Thank intensify. you. I need
1: retweets. Um, there is a date request to Elon on Twitter. So I need more retweets to try to make sure it gets to him. I mean, maybe he's not ready for somebody new just yet, but just letting him know like it's a possibility. We can go for a date can be pretty low key. I'm I'm up for that. It seems more low um,
0: maintenance than people give him credit for.
1: Yeah, like I would be really happy with a date going and watching a rocket launch. Like, that would be awesome.
0: It's the little things in life. Jess, if people want to go ahead and uh, keep up with everything you're doing, how could they do so?
1: My handles on social media are jess for liberty the number four, and I hope to have some big news to come back to share with you in 2022.
0: Well, to infinity and beyond. Folks, thank you so much for listening to the program. Please go across Al Gore's amazing internet and leave the show a five-star rating interview. It costs you nothing, but it means everything to me. helps people like Jess get their message out there to across the globe, across the stars. I'm Rep. W. Martinez. Good night.